Thank you for tuning in to Voice Epilepsy Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Davidson. On Voice Epilepsy Podcast, we will discuss health and wellness, education, employment, lived experience, and all things epilepsy. Um, my name is Christine Jameson. I was Miss British Columbia 2018 and Miss Canada 2019. I currently work with the BC Epilepsy Society as an impact speaker. I was diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy at 16 years old, but have had seizures my entire life. Um, my epilepsy is a mix of both focal and generalized seizures. Um, and I'm just past uh, my one-year seizure-free mark. Congratulations, Christine. My name is Sonia Ali, and I'm the Provincial Manager of Programs and Services with the BC Epilepsy Society. And Christine and I are thrilled to be your presenters for today's webinar, A New Diagnosis, The New Normal. So at the BC Epilepsy Society, we see people of all ages, races, socioeconomic statuses, and genders come in with diagnoses. No matter your lifestyle, when you get diagnosed, no matter your lifestyle, when you get diagnosed with epilepsy, it can feel sort of like it overtakes your life. However, with some small changes, a handful of tools and a good support system, the less it will be a concern from you and the more you'll be able to adapt to what this new normal is in no time. So in today's session, we will be discussing changes to your daily life that epilepsy may bring including establishing a new routine, making the most of your epilepsy, overcoming the challenges you may face uh, due to your epilepsy, and some considerations uh, for your daily life. If you just got diagnosed with epilepsy, keep in mind that there are multiple ways epilepsy can be treated and managed, including medication, brain surgery, neurostimulation, and dietary therapies. We'll touch a bit on each of these options in our next slides. Each type of epilepsy is unique, so some of these options may or may not work for you, but we do suggest uh, discussing all of the options with your medical team. Right, so in about 70% of people, medications work to control seizures. There are many different types of medications available, but it should be noted that medications are not a cure for epilepsy as they do not treat the underlying cause of epilepsy. Instead, medications work to control seizure activity. As with all types of medications, there may be some side effects and people may need to take multiple medications in order to control their seizures. Another treatment option is epilepsy brain surgery, which is an option for people if medications don't work or if other treatment options are not appropriate. Surgery may be possible if the seizures come from one area of the brain and if that specific area of the brain is safe to remove without harming key areas of brain function such as speech, movement, or vision. Neurostimulation with devices is another treatment option, and the most common of which is vagus nerve stimulation or VNS therapy. With VNS therapy, a device is implanted under the skin in the chest with wires that attach to the vagus nerve in the neck. The device then delivers intermittent electrical stimulation to treat seizures. You may have seen our previous webinar on VNS therapy, where a lot of helpful information was provided. The last treatment option is dietary therapy, such as the ketogenic diet. The ketogenic diet is a high-fat, 
adequate protein and low carbohydrate diet. It has been found that burning fat for energy instead of carbohydrates has an anti-seizure effect as well as going into a state of ketosis. This is used primarily to treat seizures in children but has also shown to work in adults as well. All foods and liquids are weighed and measured and it is a medically supervised diet that requires supervision by a dietitian. It should be noted that even small amounts of sugar such as the minuscule amounts of sugar that can be found in some toothpaste is enough to get someone out of ketosis, which is why you must have a medical supervision for this diet. You may have seen our previous webinar on the ketogenic diet. And if you missed that, don't worry, you can check out our YouTube channel and um, watch the recording of that webinar. So with it, with access within BC's adult epilepsy system, you may have noticed that you have experienced a wait list, such as being on a wait list to get referred to a specialist such as a neurologist, or being on a wait list for some of the treatment options that we discussed previously, such as epilepsy brain surgery. In terms of access, BC also has less access to some of the treatment options we just discussed. And this can be seen in the fact that there is no dietitian attached to an adult epilepsy clinic in BC for the use of the ketogenic diet in adults living with epilepsy. Additionally, in BC, there is no neuropsychologist attached to an adult epilepsy clinic, which all other provinces in Canada have, despite the fact that seeing a neuropsychologist for support with mental health and well-being is important for all people with epilepsy. In Ontario, there are some protocols for people living with epilepsy, which are stated in the clinical guidelines for the management of epilepsy. You can find this document under the information sheet section of the BC Epilepsy Society website. And within this document, um, we have a flowchart that we'll show you next. So as you can see on the screen here, there is a flowchart, and um, the gist of this flowchart is that after you're diagnosed with epilepsy, you are put on your first anti-seizure drug. And if this medication is unsuccessful, you're put on a second anti-seizure drug. And if this medication is unsuccessful in controlling your seizures, you would then be diagnosed with drug-resistant epilepsy, which approximately 30% of people living with epilepsy experience. And after this, you should have access to other treatments, such as the treatments that we just discussed. Thank you, Sonia. That's lots of great information on some of the different uh, treatments of epilepsy. Living with epilepsy can definitely affect your daily life. Through the next section, we're going to discuss some of the biggest questions that people with epilepsy may have after their diagnosis. So once you get diagnosed with epilepsy, a lot of people experience disbelief, anxiety, worry, and even fear. This is not abnormal to experience. An important thing to do is do a lot of research and learn about epilepsy. Come to webinars like this. Uh, there's some great resources online at the BC Epilepsy Society with over 75 epilepsy-related documents. Doing research helps increase your knowledge and understanding of epilepsy. Uh, you can also check out other reputable sources such as the Epilepsy Foundation of America, Epilepsy Action, Cure, and many others online. Getting diagnosed can definitely be scary. When I first got diagnosed, I was in such a state of shock that I didn't even really listen to all the information the neurologist was telling me. Um, they didn't give me any sort of take-home materials or anything like that. Um, and doing research and using tools that the BC Epilepsy Society 
provides is a really good way to learn more about it for yourself. Um, so the living with epilepsy may pose some limitations. If you change your perspective, you can find that obstacles that it may make you face become challenges. Um, and there's things that you can and cannot do, but together we can overcome those challenges. So epilepsy and employment. One challenge you may face on your epilepsy journey maybe employment. 50% um, of people with uncontrolled epilepsy face unemployment. Of those who do find employment, up to 50% are underemployed. And that means that uh, they don't use all the qualifications that they have in their job. Uh, many, you'll find many employers are uncertain about hiring a person with epilepsy, and, but many more becoming really good at making accommodations. I've had both employers who have understood and made accommodations for my epilepsy and employers who did not understand. It's ultimately about finding the right company and the right fit. Um, so a couple of considerations when it comes to your epilepsy and your employment. So uh, one big question that we get often is if you should disclose your epilepsy to your employer. So there's a couple of different situations that this may occur in either you know, you, for, you have epilepsy and then you got hired or you're working at your current job and then you were diagnosed with epilepsy. So there's, yeah, a couple of different areas in which this may be applicable. And how you, use, how you choose to handle disclosing your epilepsy to your employer completely depends on you. And if you want to tell them, if you do tell them. Important things to consider are if it uh, affects your job duties, workplace environment, if accommodations um, will be required and sort of any other aspects of the situation. When it comes to disclosure, there are a number of times during the employment process uh, that you can disclose your epilepsy, um, including on your application form, during the interview, after you get the job before your first shift, after you start the job, um, after you've had a seizure on the job, or of course, uh, not talking about it at all. There are pros and cons to each of these, and ultimately the decision is up to the person living with epilepsy. There's no one right way to handle it. Um, as, an as an employee, if you do decide to disclose your epilepsy, you can also request accommodations from your employer on how to make your workplace safer. Um, some examples of workplace accommodations can include um, installing carpets or rubber mats to cover hard surfaces, uh, padding sharp edges and desks um, to provide cushioning, using flicker-free computer monitors, uh, teaching all employees how to recognize the seizure if they occur, and providing seizure first aid training to all employees among others. Um, so personally, when I was working at another company, um, I was able to get a flicker-free monitor just by asking for it, as well as just um, training everyone around me about seizure first aid and what to do in the event of a seizure. And I think those are really important things to do. Can I drive? Um, so one big change for someone living with epilepsy that uh, we get a question about a lot is if you're able to drive or not. So it does vary throughout Canada. Um, in British Columbia, a person living with epilepsy must be one of two things. They must either be seizure-free for six consecutive months on medication, 
or seizure-free for 12 months after epilepsy brain surgery. And this is in consultation with your healthcare provider as well. Um, there are many other alternatives uh, to driving, including public transit, ride-sharing services such as Uber that have just um, come into Vancouver, and alternatively, asking friends or family for a ride is a great option. Memory. Um, one of the most common side effects of epilepsy seizures and epilepsy medication is memory issues. Uh, this can affect your short-term or long-term memory. For example, I always drive my fiance nuts because I am always putting my phone or my keys down and forgetting where I put them. And it's just one of those things uh, that my epilepsy just affect. Um, I also forget um, if I don't write things down on my agenda, completely forget all my schedule. So there are tons of tools and tips and tricks uh, using things like post-it notes, um, reminder apps is a really big one, um, agendas. Um, on my keys, I now have a little tile that can beep my phone or my phone, my keys, so that way if I've got one, I can always find the other. The biggest part uh, with memory, other than learning what works for you, is making sure you tell your friends and your family about these and um, make sure that they're understanding about it. When in a relationship, you may wonder how and when do I tell my partner about my epilepsy? Open communication within relationships is a key to a healthy relationship with epilepsy. So it's important to discuss your epilepsy with your partner, including teaching them seizure first aid and letting them know how your epilepsy may affect certain aspects of your relationship. Epilepsy may also affect areas of sexual health. And if this is something that you experience, be sure to be open and honest with your partner. And if you need to, visit a healthcare provider if it's needed. Awesome, thank you, Sonia. Uh, so women and epilepsy. So as a female living with epilepsy, we have a few additional things that we just need to be aware of. Uh, firstly, uh, there may be a connection between hormones and your epilepsy. So this means that your monthly cycle could actually influence or trigger seizures. So it's really important to track this and be aware if that's something that does interact with your epilepsy. Um, a second thing to uh, consider and be mindful of uh, as a female living with epilepsy is that some epilepsy medications uh, may affect contraception and vice versa. Uh, so that means um, it may make your birth control pill may make your epilepsy medication less effective and your epilepsy medication may make your birth control less effective. Um, the BC Epilepsy Society has a great information sheet on our website where all these medications are listed that may interfere with different birth control methods. Um, a last thing uh, to talk about is the fact that pregnancy is still an option for women with epilepsy. Um, there are a couple of additional safety things to consider, um, but it is women with epilepsy can have beautiful healthy babies. So one thing that might have to change in daily life is drinking, as it can result in first-time seizures for people that are not diagnosed with epilepsy, and it can result in more frequent or more severe seizures in people who have epilepsy. Also, alcohol can worsen the side effects of epilepsy medications, make them less effective, or cause you to forget to take your medications. Um, some epilepsy medications may also worsen the side effects of alcohol. 
People with epilepsy should consult their healthcare provider to find out about the relationship of their epilepsy and seizures to alcohol and should try to avoid it as much as possible. Great. I'm just going to do a quick uh, reminder that if you guys have any questions throughout this presentation, uh, to just type them into the Q&A box and we will get back to them at the end of the webinar. Um, so our next thing to talk about is seizure triggers. Um, so certain factors may make it may make you more likely to have a seizure, and this is called a seizure trigger. Um, if you know what your seizure triggers are, uh, it makes it easier for you to avoid them and lower your risk of having a seizure. So some of the most common seizure triggers are missed medication, so forgetting to take your epilepsy medication. Uh, lack of sleep, uh, flashing lights. So this is the one, um, whenever I mention I have epilepsy, everyone's like, oh, you can't, you can't do strobe lights, flashing lights. And I'm like, actually, that's not a trigger for me. It's actually usually only seen in about three to 5% of the people who do have epilepsy. Uh, stress is a very common trigger, um, illness or fever, uh, hormonal changes. So we talked again about um, how your monthly cycles may play into it, uh, drug interaction, um, alcohol or a drug use, as Sonia just uh, talked about with alcohol, hyperventilation, dehydration, overheating, and low blood sugar levels. Uh, so this is a very sort of big list of things, um, but triggers really do vary from person to person, and oftentimes people don't experience any triggers at all. Um, another thing to note about this list is, you know, lack of sleep and being stressed is going to make anyone not feel well. So it's not um, simply, it's not people with epilepsy will feel bad and a normal, people, normal person is going to feel sick if they're not sleeping and if they're stressed. So it's not uh, a super uncommon thing. Christine, do you experience any seizure triggers? I do. Uh, so for me, obviously missed medication is a really big one. Um, lack of sleep and stress are very large as well, as well as any sudden changes uh, to my diet or physical activity. Uh, so if I start eating unhealthy or if I don't go for my daily walks or that sort of thing, um, then that's definitely a trigger as well. Okay, look at that, leads right into this. Uh, healthy lifestyle. So two things that can have a large impact on seizure control are diet and exercise. So for diet, eating a healthy, well-balanced diet is an important step to keep keeping up your body's health. Um, so this means eating balanced, nutritional, and whole foods. Um, second, exercise can definitely play a role in seizure control. And this doesn't mean going to the gym six or seven times a week if that's not your thing. It just means even getting up and going out for a 20-minute walk every day. So living with epilepsy doesn't have to be a challenge, but it is important to establish a new routine in several different areas. So one of the things to consider is medication. So we talked about how um, about 70% of medications how in about 70% of people with ep epilepsy, medications are an effective way to control seizures. Anti-epileptic anti drugs are not a cure for epilepsy and they don't treat any underlying cause of epilepsy. Instead, these medications work to suppress and control seizure activity. Each medication will have specific directions as provided by your doctor. Missing a dose of medications can be the number one trigger for seizures in those with controlled epilepsy. When establishing a new routine, it's important to find ways to remember to take your medication on time. 
Um, to ensure you don't miss taking your medication, you can try things like setting an alarm on your phone, uh, using a medication reminder app, uh, using a weekly pill box, or um, getting your medications into blister packs, which they can do right at the pharmacy for you. So rest and sleep. We talked about how another trigger for um, seizures can be um, a lack of sleep. So it's really important in establishing your new routine to establish a good rest and sleep um, routine. So sleep deprivation or poor sleep is a common trigger. A good goal is to aim for about eight hours a night. To get better sleep, you can try and do things like avoiding the use of electronic devices right before bed or while lying in bed, uh, keeping a regular sleep schedule by maintaining consistent bedtimes and wake up times. Listen to your body and let it tell you when it needs to rest. Try relaxation techniques in the evening to make you fall asleep easier and to avoid excessive caffeine intake, especially in the evenings. So again, stress is a part of daily life for all people. However, too much stress can take a physical toll on your body. And this is especially true for people like epilepsy because it may bring on more seizures. So people with epilepsy may also experience stress due to the anxiety they have over having a seizure or the worry and stigma, the worry of the stigma due to epilepsy. To reduce your stress, there's multiple things you can try and it's going to be unique for each person, but try things like relaxation techniques, meditation, mindfulness, yoga, and breathing exercises. There's great apps to help you through a lot of these different things, um, including um, the Calm app, which helps with breathing techniques. Another important thing to consider is safety. Um, so there's a couple of different elements to this one. So first, it's important to teach epilepsy first aid to your friends and your family so they know how to best help you in the event of a seizure. Living with epilepsy, doesn't mean that you have to miss out on activities and miss out on life. However, there are some small changes that you can make to ensure that you do stay, stay safe. Um, and these include taking showers instead of baths, um, wearing a life jacket when in or around the water, uh, pad hard surfaces around you like your desks, your tables, um, wear a helmet if needed, um, use the buddy system, and always let someone know where you're going. Uh, the BC Epilepsy Society has uh, informa information shoots on our website on some safety tips as well. Family dynamics. Uh, so this is a really important one. Um, when you're establishing a new routine due, your, due to your epilepsy, it's important not to forget about the other people in your life, including your family. Epilepsy not only affects the person living with epilepsy, but also affects the family. In a way, all members of a family unit of people living with epilepsy also suffer with the condition. To ensure that you and your family cope well with your epilepsy, you can try things like talking to your family about what's going on, teaching family members about epilepsy and seizures, and supporting each other during this journey with epilepsy that you're now on. So you are not alone and epilepsy does not define who you are. Epilepsy can seem overwhelming and um, can create a lot of fear at first, um, but it is simply a part of who you are and it is not your life. So we talked a little bit about, about it before, but educating yourself about epilepsy will increase your knowledge and understanding and help you in many ways. 
However, it is also just as important to reach out and educate others in your life because not only will you benefit, but they'll benefit from the increased knowledge. And you're also gonna be able to fight the stigma against epilepsy at the same time. Speaking of stigma, so it is unfortunate that stigma towards epilepsy still exists in our society. However, education can help banish stigma. So take the knowledge you've gained today and throughout uh, your epilepsy journey and use it to educate others. You can also visit our website, imavoiceforepilepsy.com to check out our I'm a Voice for Epilepsy awareness campaign. The international initiative is designed to increase the awareness of epilepsy and decrease the stigma related to epilepsy around the world. Support networks. So a way to make the most of your epilepsy is to build a community of support of family, friends, and loved ones who you can turn to in a time of need. Whether you require assistance or simply want to spend time with people who care about you, having a support network is helpful in many areas of health and well-being for everyone. And the BC Epilepsy Society has a variety of in-person and, well, right now, online support groups. By joining a support group, you can get support for your epilepsy by people who understand what you're going through as well. We have many support groups, including uh, groups for children and youth with epilepsy, young adults with epilepsy, men with epilepsy, women with epilepsy, parents of children with epilepsy, family, friends, and loved ones of people living with epilepsy, and many more. Joining a support group can be helpful as you share your experience and learn from what others are going on, what, how others are dealing with similar situations. Um, check out the BC Epilepsy website, uh, bcepilepsy.com for a full list of support groups that we offer. We really do hope you consider joining. Thanks for tuning in to the Voice Epilepsy podcast. Make sure to follow us on all of our BCES and I'm a Voice for Epilepsy Awareness social media platforms. In closing, remember, you matter and you are not alone. Make Thursdays our Epilepsy Date Night with Epilepsy Voice Podcasts.